Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. He is a member of the uh, Yesha Tid party. And as far as I know, the uh, second American citizen in Israeli history to become a member of Knesset. And he has been gracious enough to be a guest of ours before, and he joins us this morning live from Israel. Rabbi Dove Lippman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. Still a difficult day here, but we're trying to get back on our feet. I can only imagine, and I want to speak about that, of course, and excuse my curiosities that it dominates the beginning of this conversation, but I never imagined that the head of your party, Yair Lapid, would uh, uh, would be one of the most outspoken people when it came over the last two weeks to the issue of uh, prayer and spiritual support for the boys. I'd love for you to address that. And as well, uh, he actually spoke at one of the funerals yesterday, which I thought was a, uh, a, a remarkable development. Could you address that for me? Absolutely. Um, Yair Lapid is one of the most, in my opinion, misunderstood uh, personalities in, uh, in the Knesset, in the government, and in politics in general. You know, there were a lot of raised eyebrows when I joined with the Ishatid and, and joined with him, and certainly many attacks. And those were based on the fact that people did not have the opportunity that I had to sit with him for hours and understand what a, a depth of Judaism there is to this man, a, a belief in God, uh, growing up in a home where that wasn't uh, surrounding him, and just uh, one of the kindest souls I- I've ever met. And it oozes from him. It comes out in our meetings. It comes out regularly. There are policies that people have questions about, and I'm always open to answer them. But the mistake that people make is crossing over from policies into the, the person himself. So for me, uh, it wasn't at any level uh, a surprise at all. And I want to emphasize, the family asked him, the fa- each family was asked, uh, to, to ask for one member of the government to speak at the funeral. So in one, they asked for the defense minister, in one, they asked for the education minister, Shai Perun from our party, and then the third one, they asked for the Shire family, asked for, asked for Yair, and the reason is, is so obvious to me that when he visited with them, they felt the care, they felt the nurturing. He didn't turn his visit into anything political, because that's the kind of uh, person that, that Yair is, and therefore it was natural that he would speak. And if you, I advise everyone, everyone to go on timesofisrael.com and, and his, his hesped, his eulogy is featured there. Um, he talks about the need for us to be together at this time. And at the end, he quotes the Ariya Kadosh. Those were his words, by the way. He wrote this eulogy by itself. The Ariya Kadosh, who says that I, I hereby accept upon myself the, the positive commandment from the Torah of love your neighbor like yourself. And, 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 and this is your ear. And I'm happy people get to see it. And it's unfortunate that I have to take this circumstance to make it clear uh, what kind of a person he is, uh, but uh, I'm happy that at least uh, people get to see uh, this side of, of him, and I have no doubt that there are many other misunderstood people as well, and it's just a matter of uh, disconnecting sometimes politics from the person. So he decided to end his speech with, Hareini mikabel alai mitzvat asei shel v'ahavta l'orecha kamocha v'areini ohevet kol echad mibnei Yisrael k'nafshi u'me'odi. His own decision. Uh, he wanted no one's involvement in the uh, eulogy. When I heard that he was speaking, I volunteered right away. Do you need help? It's a religious ceremony. No, he's sitting down and he's writing this by himself. 
and that's what he did, and I didn't doubt for a second that it would be meaningful, and it touched the families on the deepest of levels, because here you see a, a, a person who is known in Israel as a secular icon uh, in Israel, and yet you see the, the Judaism, you see the Bidadam al-Khavero, you see the love of fellow Jews, and, and I, 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 I will take the time to, for anyone who ever wants to hear more to explain that that is the kind of person uh, that Yair Lapid is through and through, and, and what he said that he took out a sitter and Davin, for the first time in six years, I want to just emphasize, it's not that it's the first time he prayed in six years. Uh, it's the first time that he looked for the sitter to actually Davin one of the tefillos from beginning to end. Uh, and that's what he did at the moment that he heard about the boys uh, being kidnapped. I think someone actually suggested at the funeral that the Harani Mikabel that he quoted be used at the beginning of every Knesset session, which, uh, you know... It, 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 may it be, was mentioned. It was mentioned, I think, by the Rosh Hashiva, a wonderful rabbi from uh, Mekor Chaim, where the two of the boys are from. Uh, he did mention that at the funeral. I, I can say that these last, you know, the eighteen days, really, uh, you saw a side of Israel that unfortunately you don't see often enough. I, I disagree with people who said, oh, "All of a sudden, now we're unified," and, no, and normally we're not. I actually believe that we're always unified, and and Jews from all backgrounds will always be there to help other Jews. We have our debates and the like, but we, uh, we mask the unity that's there, but I actually feel that it's always in place. A uh, member of Knesset, Dove Lippmann, is with us live via telephone. Um, so the uh, so when you say that the, someone like Yair Lapid, and again, I, I don't want to really focus on him, but I think he's so emblematic of, of, of so much that we learned about the people who live in Israel, our wonderful brethren, over the last couple of weeks, uh, there were there were many like him who reached for a sidur or a tehillim for the first time in God knows how long because of this episode. And you and I have seen from both this side of the world, and of course you being there now on the spot in Israel, have seen many attacks, unfortunately, and many really bad episodes over our lifetimes. It, 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 isn't it, can you describe for us or explain to us why this one seems to have unified the Jewish collective heart like none other? There was something about uh, boys, um, excuse me for tearing up. <sighs> There's something about boys on their way home from school and parents waiting for them, and you hear the audio today of the father, uh, it's been released, the father calling the police, and, and you hear the concern in it, it's something that touches every person as a person, it's not an army, you know, your son goes to the army, your, your mind is focused on the how you realize it's a possibility that something can happen, um, God forbid, this is something just a regular place, never happened before in this kind of a way, and then I have to add to it the nature of the families themselves, who seem to have been handpicked by the Rabbonishal Olam for this, who did not allow it to get into politics at all. We don't know anything about their political orientation, and, and they talked about it as mothers and as fathers, and, 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 and they, they touched a, a part of the soul, uh, which raised up the nation. You saw it happening day by day as they took this with such grace and strength. And they raised everybody up. And I can tell you that that spirit is not, is not going to go away so quickly. I walked around today in the Knesset with a printout of all the Mesechtot in Seder Nezikin. 
and I went around and I explained to, to the secular members of Knesset what it means to learn Mishnayot in memory of someone, and obviously the religious ones understood, and we as a Knesset are going to learn all of Seder Nazikin for the Shloshim, and this, is, this, this includes not only religious parties, uh, members of the Merit Party are doing it, of the Labor Party, of the Hadash Party, Dol Chenin, and we're all going to learn Seder Nazikin together. I think everyone realizes that there's something deeper that unifies us. And even if it's not about Shmiras or Mitzvahs, no one's saying that everybody has to uh, keep the Mitzvahs, no one's forcing other people to keep the Mitzvahs, but that underlying uh, covenant, that underlying spirituality, which unifies all of us in terms of what kind of people we are, in terms of not accepting the kind of behavior of our neighbors and our enemies, uh, that unified everyone together. And I, I think... Uh, I can tell you that certainly sitting there on, on Sunday night at the rally in Tel Aviv and being there at the funeral uh, yesterday, you, 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 the, the love just oozed, oozed through the crowd and, and all externals uh, and ideologies fell to the side. I know you're on a very tight schedule, so you'll just tell me when you have to go, but I, I got a few things I got to ask you. Um, you know, we like to point out in light of, and you're, you've been involved in a lot of these discussions. Uh, which I'm not going to get into now. It's not an appropriate day to, to ask you about these topics. But but a lot of discussions that end with us and people like me saying that the greatest funder of Torah education in the history of the world is the state of Israel. And now I think we could add to that the only governmental body <laughs> on the planet that is actually making a commitment to Seder Nazikin would be the Knesset, the parliament of the state of Israel. I think it's very true, and um, you know, I always say I wish people could see some of the things that I've been blessed to see behind the scenes here. In terms of, and I'll just give you an example, Yair Lapid sitting with, and I won't mention a name just so I don't hurt his standing or the like, but but with with a, uh, with a member of the United Torah Judaism Party sitting together over coffee, uh, laughing with each other's, each other's jokes, asking questions about each other's children. There's a side of camaraderie which which people don't see and people don't recognize, and, and unfortunately we take things uh, to become personal. I think that's that's the biggest message. Disagreements, we're, we're always going to have disagreements, and that's a part of who we are. In the time of the Gemara, it was, it was Hillel and Shammai, or the freedom of Hillel and Shammai, and Abai and Rava, and, and to, to understand that we'll have those disagreements, and, and everybody, in their opinions here, they mean it Lashem Shammai, and the people who I disagree with ideologically, they firmly believe that what they're doing is best for Judaism and best for Israel, uh, with all of their heart and soul. It's not to destroy uh, Judaism, and, and it's always important to separate between the personal and the political or the ideological. And unfortunately, I've learned in my year and a half with all the uh, emails that I receive and letters and, and, and even phone calls at times that people aren't able to make uh, that right. distinction, and that's a shame. And the point that you just made right now, that the State of Israel, despite whatever cuts were made, is still sending 500 million shekel a year, 500 million shekel a year to promote uh, the learning of Torah, uh, and to enable people uh, to learn Torah is something which, without a doubt, uh, not only has never happened in history, but, but it, has to, it should be the focus instead of any other negative. No question about it. Uh, Rabbi Dov Lipman, member of Knesset, Yesh Atid Party. The, and you've always pointed out, by the way, that if someone like Yair Lapid had the opportunity to sit down with some of our Torah giants who you know, represent the, the, you know, the, the community of uh, of religious observance, if they had an opportunity to sit down and, in a peaceful manner, have a you know fruitful discussion, you you believe that discussion would be very fruitful. I do, and I'll even tell you that um, some of those types of conversations with representatives 
of some of those uh, rabbinic figures ha- have taken place, and 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 there are understandings that have been come to, and that relates to the draft. By the way, let me just give you just an example about that for a moment. A few, six, uh, seven months ago, before we passed the law, the average person on the streets thought that the moment this law passes, there's going to be police going through you know yeshiva dormitories and dragging yeshiva bachim to jail. That's what, by the way, on the day of the prayer rally in Yushalayim, that's what young Haredi uh, yeshiva bachim told me when I asked them what did the law say. And that's something which I would be out in the streets uh, demonstrating against and being even stronger uh, than they were in this rally. Uh, but this is not coming from a place of anti-Torah or trying to destroy Torah. It's coming from a place of trying to fix a very complicated situation. And Yair Lapid and Ofer Shelach and everyone else involved and Yaakov Perry, they understand that there's a, that there's a, there's a transition that has to take place, number one. They understand that not everyone is going to serve in the army. Uh, a majority might even not serve in the army. They understand that somebody who really is learning Torah day and night, really, Torah to umnato. Torah to umnato, if you look at the Mepharshim and the Rishonim, some even say, if Torah is your only occupation, you don't stop to put on tefillin. Right. You don't stop to daven. Someone who can't stop learning Torah, they agree. That person should be learning, but we know that that's not the overwhelming majority, and there's a process going on in terms of integration into the army and the workforce and national service. So maybe, and, so maybe in light of this horrific tragedy, at the minimum, all of us should make a commitment to take one thing upon ourselves, that we'll stop using the expression that blank, whoever it is that we're referring to, whether it be right or left, is destroying Judaism. Maybe at least we should that, start. Maybe at least we should start with that in memory of the boys. That that we're, we're going to get rid of the really harsh rhetoric and try to at least understand where our brethren are coming from. And that's what I think the mothers taught us. The mothers could have very, very easily, very easily slipped into all kind of political rhetoric. This happened because of this deal that was made in this year. This happened because of this politician who made this decision, or this defense minister, or this not giving budgets to here. They didn't do that for a moment. They, they, they valued every single person who came to show them love, that they welcomed them. I sat at the rally on Sunday night next to my dear friend, the health minister, Yael German. Yael German comes from a very secular background, politically very left-wing, very liberal. She was from the Maris Party originally, and she said she couldn't not be there. And there we were sitting together while Jonathan Rozelle and a, a secular singer up on the stage singing the Hisha Amda and Amy Yush, and the two of us are down below singing the together and then joining in. It's something where you realize that when it's all said and done, all we have, all we have is each other. Uh, I'm learning that more and more. I have a member who's meeting with members of the British Parliament in an hour, and I'm going to learn that every time I meet with them, I realize all we have is each other. And and the more we strengthen that. And yes, debate. We should debate. Uh, I'm open to talking to anyone about any topic, and I have a Haridim, for example, that comes to my office all the time, and we meet and I explain. And the enemy might disagree, but I guarantee you they walk out saying, he's not who I thought he was. And that no doubt applies to every single person across the spectrum. And I think that your idea uh, would be the greatest, greatest source uh, of merit for the boys. Dov Lipman is with us from Israel. Um, was there, and again, I know we shouldn't get into the whole political thing, but I'm so curious. Um, we know what the attitude has been now since the mid-'80s about exchanging uh, prisoners uh, for those who are being who are being held by the enemy, we know that there was a, a a tremendous change in the 80s, and that practice has basically gone on until these days. We know what happened with the Gilad Shalit case, and I'm sure both sides could debate that forever whether whether it was a good idea or not. Would you say that behind the scenes, since this abduction and triple murder, 
that there is a different attitude both in the state of Israel and the Knesset in terms of this whole notion as people started to think whether there would be a proposal of prisoners for these boys? Uh, there definitely has been a change, and, and there's two factors. One is uh, what I, what I uh, tried to, uh, to get out before and not easy to talk about, just the idea of, of seeing how far it can go with these evil people and just taking uh, innocent boys. That, that's one level. But another thing happened during these 18 days, and that is the announcement of the arrest of the murderers of, um, of Baruch Mizrahi, right. uh, who was murdered in Arab Pesach, and finding out that his murderer was someone who was released in the Gilad deal, meaning for people to be able to see, and again, I, we don't blame the Shalit family right. for all of their efforts. Correct. We don't blame Gilad. We don't take it in that direction at all. But uh, just in terms of taking a step back and seeing the direct line, wow, this person was released from our jails, stood on a, on a, on a street, on a, on a road leading towards uh, Hebron, and, and, and without ruthlessly uh, shot bullets into a car filled with a family, and now there's a widow and, and, and orphans because of it, it definitely, definitely impacted people about this whole issue in general. And um, I, I think it's going to take some time to analyze all the political uh, ramifications of everything uh, that we've experienced. Uh, there definitely is a feeling, and, and I support this feeling, and, and certainly the ministers in our party, not to respond from the gut, not to respond from emotion, because you do that, we can end up hurting ourselves, or even worse, hurting, hurting soldiers and putting them in danger. But there are definitely going to be some strong decisions made, and I think that it absolutely will impact uh, policy uh, as we move forward. Uh, I'll tell you, there, there are very few silver linings. Obviously, the unity was one of them, but very, very few. But when you think about, you know, if in fact uh, the boys would have been held or the bodies would have been held hostage for, for any length of time, this debate again would have likely, you know, I don't, I don't want to say torn apart the people of Israel, but certainly would have been a very uh, sensitive issue to say the least. So maybe there is a... Absolutely, and just I, I, I'm assuming that people in America know this, but just in case they don't, because obviously we wonder about the boys and their suffering and the like. And again, uh, I'm not saying this with any level of, of, of happiness, and I can't even call it a silver lining. But uh, they, they they were not um, they, they they were not uh, together with us in this world after about uh, five minutes. Wow. I mean, they were. Um, it's very clear from all the information and all the evidence and and the like that it was just a matter of minutes and and. And, you know, as a father of a 17-year-old boy, that, that's certainly an element which I thought about so much uh, during these 18 days, and is what did they experience, what, you know, what was it like for them, and um, that's something which I know, I know, uh, provides some level of comfort uh, for, for the families and, and for the broader family, which is all about Israel. Yeah, I think all of us had our personal experiences. My 16-year-old was leading to Hillam. I'm thinking about the 16-year-olds who at that time we thought were being held by the enemy and uh, how interesting life is. With that in mind, by the way, there are a lot of people who are going to do this summer what you've already done, which is move from North America to the Holy Land. Uh, what do you say to people who, uh, I don't know, may, may have become a drop more hesitant after this episode and maybe, you know, may have dampened their, uh, their, uh, their great spirit of heading to the Holy Land as soon as possible? I would tell them that um, if they could ask my 17-year-old son, who 
had his Zavri shown, which means his first appearance before the army board to go into the army, God willing, in a few years, uh, who very much identified with the boys, whose good friend from Yeshiva was at the uh, Trempiada, was at the bus stop with them and, and, and experienced a lot of this almost firsthand. If you would ask him uh, for a moment, despite everything you just experienced, would you give up on moving to Israel and would you want him to live in America? His, his answer without any hesitation would be that Israel is where I belong, Israel is where Jews belong, Israel is where I feel closer to God, Israel is where I'm soaring in learning Torah, but also uh, contributing to the Jewish people in, in ways that I couldn't do uh, in other circumstances. That, that would be his answer. And uh, none, of these, none of these fears um, uh, impact our thoughts about uh, moving here. Um, God willing, next Tuesday we're having a celebration in the Knesset, a reunion of my 10-year, my, my flight, my Aliyah flight 10 years ago. And, um, you know, if you pulled everyone in that room, it's just going to be a celebration of everything we've experienced and will experience, God willing, despite all of the challenges and despite uh, some of those fears and despite the fact that uh, there are missiles and there are terrorists and uh, it, it, there is nothing, there, there are really no words um, to describe what, what it feels like to be uh, in the land that, that, that God has promised to you, that God says is your homeland. And uh, I can say as a member of Knesset, with all the disagreements and with all of the challenges that face us and decisions that we have to make, uh, that's the greatest honor. It's the, it's the greatest honor to where we're sitting and helping to determine uh, the, the Jewish future and, 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 and the future of our land. And uh, it's, a, it's the greatest miracle that, that, we, that we're in this situation. Finally, Dove Lippmann, uh, people are curious about the reaction from Israel. We know uh, certain things have already happened, and the Israeli Air Force has taken care of things in the Gaza Strip when necessary. But in terms of a stronger or more uh, direct reaction to what happened, uh, can you can you give us a perspective on what we might expect this summer? There is definitely going to be uh, further action. Uh, everyone has to realize that when people say, you know, go into the Gaza Strip and and and, and root out all of the missiles and root out all of the evil, uh, that you're talking about our sons. You're talking about our sons going in there. I know that at the end of Amud Anan, for example, when we went in a few years ago and a decision had to be made, should we go in with ground troops or not, there are estimates, God forbid, of, of over a thousand lives lost on, on our side if we would do that. It's, it's, it's complicated, uh, but I guarantee you that every single member of the government, and I, I spent a significant time yesterday with two ministers uh, yesterday, uh, they are committed not only on the base level to punishing uh, the the people involved in this particular murder, uh, but to go after the leadership of of Hamas and to do what is necessary to try to bring life back to normal uh, in uh, Beirut and in the whole area of the south where unfortunately uh, people are suffering terribly and it is a very difficult way to live. Uh, and the key is, like I said before, not to react from the gut, not to react from emotion, to sit with the experts on the army, to sit with the security experts, uh, including the Shafak, uh, uh, who have the information on the ground, and to make the best decision to provide security for the people of Israel. And I can tell everyone in America, yes, there will be further action, and, and that is what the goal will be. Dove Lipman, I'm sure you'll see the families this week. Uh, the families of Ayal Gilad and uh, Naftali, please convey to them that the uh, collective Jewish heart continues to grieve with them and shares a small part of this uh, incredible agony that they're experiencing right now. 
I will tell them, and I will tell you that sitting with them on Sunday night in, in Tel Aviv at the big rally in Kikar Abin, they, they, they kept saying to us as members of Knesset how, how much it means. And, and by the way, at that point, believe me, they, they knew that, 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 that obviously didn't... everyone held out hope uh, for a ending where the boys would come home alive. They knew they the news agreed. wouldn't be good. They knew the reality of that, that that's not likely, right. and, and they, they were taking it in, and it was like a collective hug, and, and it raised them up. It raised up. They, they raised us up, but we also uh, raised them up, and uh, I will convey that to them. I'll be going, God willing, on Friday morning to two of the families, and the Motsi Shabbat uh, to the third, and uh, I will absolutely convey that to them, and I, I guarantee you that that will play a huge role in their in their being consoled. I thank you so much for joining us. We should speak on uh, really wonderful occasions in the future. Thank you. Amen. And to all of Israel. Wednesday morning, Rabbi Dov Lippman, member of Knesset, Yesh Atid Party in Israel, and uh, I appreciate his time this morning. He will be bringing that message to the families, that the collective Jewish heart is in grief with them, and that we, whether it be in the United States or other parts of the world, came together over the last couple of weeks to offer whatever we could in the hope that Ayal Gilad and Naftali would be found safely and uh, would be returned home. That, of course, uh, did not happen, but the unity and the incredible love of the Jewish people, love for one another, our brothers and sisters that came through during these two weeks, simply unmatched.